And that's the Yankee song for 2021. I'm a loser, baby. So why don't you kill me? Because once again today, an utter disaster in Beantown as the Yankees with a 4 nothing lead in the bottom of the eighth inning with Domingo Herman pitching a no-hitter. They find a way to lose to the Red Sox again, this time 5-4. to four. And how many more times are we going to go through this this year with this team? This is Keith Dewar, by the way, for the Mecca Sports Talk. It's July 25th, 2021. It might as well be the end of September at this point because this team is done. D-U-N. Done. I'm tired of watching day after day, week after week, month after month this team. They have no heart. They have no guts. They have no cojones. They have no nothing, this friggin' team. Absolutely nothing whatsoever. You go up and down this roster, you have nothing but issues. Starting from the very top with the friggin' owner of this team, Hal Steinbrenner. This guy, obviously we know he's nothing like his father. And for all the Yankee fans out there that are clamoring for, Oh, I wish we had George back. I wish we had George back. Well, he ain't coming back. He's not coming back. So, let's get that straight. He's not coming back at all. Now, Hal Steinbrenner, on the other hand, you know, he's a numbers guy. He's the, you know, an analytical guy. He's, uh, he doesn't want to go over the, sal- the uh, luxury tax, the salary cap or anything like that. He doesn't want to have to pay a dime more out of his pocket because he's watching the books. You know, the team obviously got affected last year by the, the shutdown due to COVID and no fans. And, you know, they lost a whole lot of money. But, you know what? Get in line. Because every other stinking team did this, had to go through the same friggin' thing as the Yankees did. Yeah, maybe more prevalent for the Yankees because they charge up the yin-yang for a ticket behind home plate. But regardless of that, the Yankees, you know, they lost a ton of money, sure. But so did everybody else. So I don't want to hear the excuses about that. But getting back to the team itself, look, they've had nothing but loss at the loss in excruciating fashion. You know, I feel like a Met fan. Before Stevie Cohen came in. I mean, how many years and years and years did they have agonizing loss at the loss at the loss at the loss at the loss? And you just said to yourself, you know, you're bracing for the worst. It's the same thing with this 2021 Yankee team. Same damn thing. This team, again, the bullpen, which was a strength of theirs for years, is now their weakness. I mean, you go up and down at least the starting rotation. Garrett Cole... Yeah, he's been about as elite as you could be, ideally. He's had a couple of hiccups, but, you know, almost everybody does. It's not named Jacob DeGrom. So, he's been fine. Jameson Tayon has been fine for the last several starts. I mean, I don't know how much more you could really ask of him at this point. Corey Kluber, before he got hurt, he was pitching totally fine. Domingo Herman gave him the, the start of his career, basically, today. So, I mean, ideally right now, you're getting, the starting pitching is doing fine. It's the bullpen that's just, this team's Achilles heel. And it's day after day with this crap. Or all this Chapman, I mean, you know, the guy's making $17, $18 million a year. He obviously is not worth that kind of money. You know, who is? But realistically, he's not worth that kind of money. Zach Britton's come back off the IL. He's been terrible. Chad Green, I mean, yeah, he's had his moments, this and that, but he's had epic disasters also against the the Astros and most recently against the Red Sox. You know, Chapman's had disasters against about everybody at this point, from the Astros to the to the to the Mets, uh, you know, you name it. At this point, the Red Sox, he's been a total disaster the last what, two months or so, give or take. So you go up and down this team, in the bullpen especially, and you just say to yourself, well, who the heck am I going to? Justin Wilson's been a disaster since the Yankees re-signed him and brought him back. I mean, what else are you going to go to? Nelson Cortez, Nick Nelson, uh, Joe Schmo. 
I'm from Kokomo. I mean, who the heck are you going to on this damn team? They have nobody that you could count on at this stage. Nobody. And this is what happens. Because year after year, when you have to depend on the bullpen, and you have so much volatility with the bullpens from year to year with many different players, you can look up and down every single roster and find guys that you thought would be elite, and they turn into stiffs. So Edwin Diaz... You can look at him. Craig Kimbrell, you can look at him. Kenley Jansen, you can look at him. He's been horrible the last couple of appearances. He was pitching like his old self for the last uh, little while for the Dodgers. Now he's looking terrible again. So, you know, there's so much volatility with bullpens, you cannot, you know, count on them at all year to year because you're going to have guys break down, you're going to have guys get injured, and... Look, it all it takes is one bad pitch, and you go from winning a game to losing a game. So you got major problems with the Yankee bullpen. And then, of course, let's get to the offense. And let's start with that big stiff, number 27, Giancarlo Stanton. He sucks. He sucks. Plain and simple. He sucks. You know, everybody was so happy. Oh, the Yankees got Stanton, and all they had to give up was Stalin Castro. Well, look, look at what is happening. You know, Stalin Castro, whatever at this point, he's got his own freaking problems. But not for nothing, Giancarlo Stanton, with the Yankees are paying him all this money. The Marlins are paying some of his salary also, but he sucks, plain and simple. I mean, you got a guy that's making like $30 million a year, and he's certainly not worth that kind of money. I don't want to hear about how he had a great playoff last year. I don't want to hear that nonsense. That was a five-game series against Tampa Bay. Whoop-de-doo. What is he doing over 162 games for the Yankees? He's not doing anything. He's not doing enough, let's put it that way. Not doing enough. 16, 17 homers? I mean, this guy's with 30-plus homers right now. This is what The Yankees pay him to hit home runs and to drive in over 100 runs. He's not going to do either thing this year. He's not going to do either thing. He's not going to drive in. He's he's going to be lucky he gets to 30 homers. Forget 40 homers. That's a pipe dream at this point. But you go up and down this roster, like I said with the bullpen, and now you're talking about the offense. You know, Sanchez has rebounded. Yeah, okay, fine. I need to see more. You know, a month or two of of good play from Gary Sanchez isn't going to convince me that he's back to being an elite catcher because... He's got a long way to go, as far as I'm concerned. I want to see consistency. I don't want to see a blip on the radar. Luke Voigt's been hurt all year. He's a lost cause at this point. DJ LeMahieu, they signed to five years, $90 million. Uh, You know, yeah, he's got a 35-game on base streak. Yippee-skippy. He's not doing what the Yankees would have expected from him, at least in the power department, or driving in a bunch of runs. I know he's a leadoff hitter and this and that, but still... He's not what he was the last two years with the Yankees. Clay Torres, what is there to say about him? Yeah, he's hit three home runs in the last week or so. Yeah, another yippy-skippy. He's not doing anything remotely close to what the Yankees need from him and expected from him. So you could take it to the bank at this point. The Yankees are going to try to move him. And I know they're not going to get as much value from uh, out of uh, what they would have originally if they tried to trade him. But regardless of that fact... Maybe they move him. Whether they do or not remains to be seen. That Jose Ramirez rumor is a bunch of nonsense. The Yankees have got to give up more than Gleyber Torres to get Jose Ramirez, who's under team control for another two years at a pretty reasonable salary. So that's not happening. Gio Oshella just came back today off the IL. Yeah. Fine and dandy. Good defense. It's got like a 750 OPS. All right, fine. Still, not elite. Not an elite player. He's a six, seven, eight hitter on on the Yankees, or basically on any team. So he is what he is. He's just okay. He's fine. Whatever. Outfield, the Yankees are going to keep Brett Gardner until he's probably collected Social Security. At this rate, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't understand the reasoning behind bringing him back. Why? Because he brings good leadership. He's hitting like a two. He's hitting under two hundred. I could give them good leadership. And I'm not swinging a friggin' bat at this point. 
Aaron Hicks, he's sitting on the sidelines once again. You know, stubs a toe, he's out two months. He breaks a fingernail, he's out three months. He's always injured. Another waste. Seven years, 70 million. A dire waste of resources and money. Again. Aaron Judge, yeah, sure. When he's healthy, he's been fine. But this is the guy the Yankees need to trade at this point. Are you going to re-sign him at the next year? I don't know. I don't know what they do. But... They got to figure something out. This team is so heavy-handed from the right-hand side of the plate, and you have no lefty hitters, unless you want to count Greg Allen as a lefty hitter on this team. So, and forget Brett Gardner. But at the same, right now, you look at this team, they are so flawed, so flawed. And look at the other side of town. You know, everybody's like, well, the Mets had all these injuries this year. Yeah. Well, what did the Mets do in the offseason? They got themselves a couple of professional players, professional hitters, if you want to, you know, use that quote-unquote uh, thing. They brought in Jose Peraza. They brought in... Uh, now I'm drawing a blank. Jose Peraza they brought in. They brought in... Um, Pilar, Kevin Pillar. They brought in Jonathan VR. Three professional hitters. Not great hitters. Nothing not let's not get crazy. They're not all stars, these guys. But they brought in professional hitters. They brought in gamers, if you want to call it that. Kevin Pillar's a gamer. The other two guys, hey, you know. They've contributed. They've had some big hits. They've made some big plays in the field. That's why they're in first place. Because the rest of the teams in in their division, you know, for various reasons, are not playing up to expectations. The Braves have all these injuries. You know, Ozuna's a total idiot. Philly has no bullpen. Girardi, you know... Continues to say, it's not what you want. Well, you know what? The Yankee bullpen's not what I want either. I don't want any of these stiffs at this point. You're paying Britton and Chapman all this money. They're not performing. Again, volatility from year to year with a bullpen. So, the Yankees didn't bring in a Kevin Pillar. They didn't bring in a a Jonathan VR. They didn't bring in a Jose Peraza. No, we have we have stiff after stiff on this team. Tyler Wade, who's a quadruple A player. Greg Allen, they picked up off the waiver wire. Yeah, whatever. He is what he is. The Yankees don't have anything in the minor leagues to go to. I mean, Esteban Florial, yeah, we'll see what he turns into. But he's still raw. He just came up from the minors. We got to see what he does, but do I trust him more than Kevin Pillar in the outfield right now? No, not a chance in the world. So they got so many flaws in this team, the Yankees. They were predicted to win 95, 96 games from Vegas and this and that. I thought they'd be under that. And I'm certainly going to be right about that because there ain't a chance in the world to get into that number. And it don't matter what they do. They could bring in Trevor Story. They could bring in Chris Bryant. They could bring in anybody. They could bring in Babe Ruth for all I care at this point. 1927 Babe Ruth they could bring in. Bring in Lou Gehrig too while you're at it. It ain't gonna matter. The team ain't going anywhere. So no matter what you do with this team right now, in the next six days... It's not solving their problems long-term because this team has short-term problems and they've got long-term problems. you got to pay Hicks all this money for the next several years. you got to pay Stanton all this money for the next several years. you got to figure out what you're doing with Judge. you got to figure out what you're doing with Torres. And what are the, what's going to happen five, six years from now? Brett Gardner's still going to be on the damn team? I mean, enough is enough already. Cashman has been on this team for the better part of, a, of almost 30 years. 30 friggin' years. 
Now, he hasn't been the GM all that time, but he's been in the organization, basically, for that amount of, amount of time. So he's like family at this point. So what's going to clearly happen is Cashman's going to be making moves now here at the trade deadline. The offseason's going to come in. The Yankees are not going to be in the playoffs. I don't want to hear they're making the playoffs. They're not making the playoffs, the Yankees. Even if they manage to get in the wild card, you're going to face Tampa or probably the Red Sox. And you're going to lose. So, so get the damn golf clubs ready at this point. Get the margaritas on the beach ready. So I don't want to hear any nonsense about the Yankees getting in the playoffs. What are they, four or five games out of the wild card? I don't care. This team is going nowhere. And you know what's going to happen? Brian Cashman's going to be back next year again. And whether Aaron Boone is back next year remains to be seen. But if it's going to be a guy that takes the fall for this, it's going to be Boone. And just a prime example of what's so annoying with him today. Herman is pitching a gem through seven innings. He has a no-hitter, in fact, through seven innings. The Yankees are up 4 nothing. You figure, oh, they're in good shape to win this one. Split the series in Boston, get the seven back. You know, trade deadline coming up. You're feeling pretty decent. After the debacle from Thursday night that they lost. Although they stole a game on Saturday. That they should have lost the Yankees. The Red Sox did the total opposite of what the Yankees did yesterday. But today, again, prime example of Boone. Herman gives up a leadoff double of Verdugo in the eighth. That breaks up the no-hitter. He takes him out immediately. And he brings in Loisaga. Loisaga gives up four or five hits in a row. I believe it was four. As soon as he gave up that first hit, that's when you warm up Britain or whoever at this point. But he waited till the fourth guy, after the fourth hitter, that Loisaga threw a meatball to and gave up another hard hit ball that they took him out of the game. And then you bring in Britain, and Britain, of course, gives up the lead. And they lose 5-4. So it's just, it's, it's, and there's been so many of these this year. The Mets series at Yankee Stadium, the debacle on the Sunday right before the All-Star game against the Astros. They've had so many of these this year. And yeah, let's go through the whole hindsight 2020 nonsense. Monday morning quarterback. Well, if this happened and that happened, they would be right in the playoff hunt and they maybe would be in first place. Well, you know what? They're not. They're not. And they don't deserve to be. So at the end of the day, this team right now, they're sitting in third place in the AL East. Roughly about five games out of the wild card. It's July 25th. So they got a little over two months left. And you say to yourself, yeah, they they got a shot to get in the wild card. But do you really want this team to get into the playoffs? What are they going to do if they get in the playoffs? They're going to get knocked out. The White Sox are better than them. The Red Sox are better than them. Tampa Bay is better than them. Houston's better than them. And then you could argue from the other teams in the mix. Seattle, Oakland, the Angels. Oakland's better than the Yankees. Seattle is probably just as good as they are at this point. And Seattle's going to be better than the Yankees next year. When you have Hancock and Gilbert. Gilbert already establishing himself in the rotation. And they got Emerson Hancock coming. And then never mind what the offense is going to have with Hanniger. Kellenick will get his act together next year. 
Julio Rodriguez will be up. This team's going to be in the hunt. But the Yankees, flaw after flaw on this team. Stanton could have hit himself out of a paper bag if he tried. He can make all the stupid T-Mobile commercials he wants. I'm surprised he didn't swing and miss against the kid in the commercial. Probably did. They had to do about 10 takes before he hit the friggin' ball. That's how much he sucks. But he fits in perfectly with the Yankees. Swing and miss mentality. And we'll move on to the next guy. It's a, it's a real head-scratcher to see that this team has gone from what they were to what they are now. With so many flaws and really no solutions. There's no solutions. Short-term or long-term because they are strapped with problems. You got Garrett Cole making a zillion dollars. You got Stanton making a zillion dollars. You got Aaron Hicks making 70 million over seven years. Brett Gardner, he'll be he'll be on this team in five years. One way or another, he'll be on this team. So what else what else is there to say? But I, I'm sick of this nonsense with this friggin' team. They suck. And you know what, right now, baseball fans are loving it. They're loving every second of it. To see the Yankees are struggling the way they are. And they have their payroll at the level that they do. But money ain't going to solve anything with this team. And as I said, forget going after Trevor Story. Forget going after Jose Ramirez. Forget going after Chris Bryant or Javi Baez or any of these other guys that are going to be on the market. The Yankees will not be able to improve themselves enough to the point where they're relevant and able to make a run in the American League. It's not going to happen. What they need to do, and what they should have done two years ago, was break this team up, but they didn't do it after they lost to the Astros for the second time. That's what they should have done at that time. Break this damn team up. But no, the analytics department thinks they're smarter than you. And me. Well, you know what? They're not. They're the dumbass. Not me. Not you. So, at this point, it's time to to sell whatever they can and move into next year, hopefully with a couple of more left-handed hitters in this team and a bullpen that knows how to friggin' pitch. I'll be back soon with a next weekend for the trade deadline 2021 for MLB. By the way, a little tidbit also. Good job at a U.S. basketball team today, men's basketball team, losing to France. Great job. I I don't know what to say about that. The Rangers, they trade Buznevich. For basically crap because they didn't want to pay him six, seven million a year. Utter nonsense from Chris Drury in the front office for the Rangers. NBA draft is on Thursday. We'll see what the Knicks do. We'll see actually how the uh the lottery goes as far as who goes, when and where. See what the Rockets do, the Pistons, etc. Knicks need to make a splash. That's crystal clear at this point. But right now, the Yankees, total disgrace what's going on. And every time I see Aaron Boone in his press conferences, it's a gut punch. It's a gut punch. It's a gut punch. Well, you know what? At some point... You got to take the damn punch and get back on your feet and figure things out. But this team is not capable of it. And as far as I'm concerned, 
If Cashman ain't gonna go, then Boone does. They need a Kevin Cash type of manager in this team. Somebody that knows how to manage the damn roster that he has. You know who did good with that? Joe Girardi did. Go look at 2015 and 16. Those two years, they overachieved the Yankees. They made trades. They still wound up with an over 500 record. That's who the Yankees should have kept. But he's not a yes man. Need a robot in the dugout like Aaron Boone. Because the the analytics department and Cashman and all the cronies there making the, the, the decisions. Who stays, who goes, who does this, who does that. Hal needs to grow a set of cojones and tell Cashman, take a hike at this point. Take a hike. Him and Boone. Get them both out as soon as possible. Don't even wait to the damn trade deadline. Just get rid of them now. This is what needs to be done at this point. Team ain't going nowhere. Just get it done, Hal. Figure it out. And get rid of these guys already. Enough is enough. Talk to you soon. Good morning and welcome to the Mecca Sports Talk Week 1 of the NFL Season 2021. I'm your host Keith Dewar and we're finally here to the first week of the season. Hallelujah. Let's see what happens with the Giants and the Jets this season on a local basis, although I'm not expecting very much from either. I'll get to, to that more in a bit. But in any case... Week one of the NFL season is here. It feels like yesterday that the Buccaneers manhandled the Chiefs in the Super Bowl 55. Front four of the Buccaneers was the clear MVP of that game, as we all know. But you can't give the MVP to a front four defense, unfortunately. But in any case, the game the other night was a very exciting game. Dallas and Tampa Bay doing battle on Thursday night. And obviously, a very surprising effort by the Cowgirls. Was not expecting them to cover the eight and a half and nine points that they were getting. But they did. And honestly, they should have won the game. If you look at that game the other night, they should have won. Too many field goals attempted. And of course, you know, Zerloin was not good the other night for Dallas. But they had, uh, they had their opportunities and they could not capitalize. And the way it goes against an elite team or a very good team is if you're looking to kick field goals all day and night, you're going to lose. And that's exactly what happened. Now, the play at the end of the game where it should have been an offensive pass interference, whatever your opinion is of that, bottom line is that's not the reason why the Cowgirls lost. They lost the game because they could not put the ball in the end zone against a team that you need to put up a lot of points against in order to win. Dak Prescott was very impressive the other night. His bum shoulder, his bum leg, uh, notwithstanding, he obviously performed at an elite level the other night. Um, The arm strength, I think, still needs a little bit of, uh, you know, work. But that should come, I would imagine, with his mechanics and obviously his shoulder healing. But Dallas impressed the other night. Uh, But not impressive enough. You know, they're 0-1. So, bottom line is, again, kick field goals, you're going to lose. Score touchdowns, you're going to win. So, Dallas is the Chargers next week, and Buccaneers have Atlanta. 
So I would imagine although Dallas is going to be on the road at the Chargers, that's going to be a tough matchup. I could see that being another coin flip kind of game. Tampa Bay, I would imagine, is going to manhandle the Falcons. We'll see what the spreads look like for next week. But in any case, for this season, I'm going to be picking a six-pack of games every week, which will include the Giants and the Jets each week, if they, as long as they're playing. I will um, be picking all their games, and, and it's against the spread. It's not straight-up nonsense. It's going to be against the spread to make it more challenging. And what I'm going to do is, for this year, depending on if I have a winning record or a losing record, if I have a winning record for the season, I will make a $250 donation to the Tunnel of Towers Foundation, if I have a winning record. If I have a losing record, I will make a $150 donation to the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. So... So it's going to give me a bit of a, you know, motivation to obviously make sure I have a winning record this year. And looking at the games for week one, let's uh, give it a whirl and see how well I do for this week and for the upcoming 18 weeks of the season. So here we go. Week one of the 2021 NFL season. First game of the week, we're going to go with the 49ers given 7.5 at Atlanta. Uh, excuse me, at Detroit. San Fran is minus 7.5 at Detroit. Now, I've seen some places where this line is now about 8.5 and 9, which gives me even more confidence in picking the 49ers today. 49ers, obviously... Coming into this year, looking like a team that should be on the upswing after having a lot of injuries last year, a lot of unfortunate moments, I guess if you want to call it that. Just a lot of bad luck uh, went their way last year. And I think the opposite will occur this year for them. I do expect them to be a playoff team. Um, see if they beat out the, the Rams in the division. But as of right now, I think... Uh, you know, it's going to be a very tough division, the, NF the NFC West. You got San Fran, you got the Rams, you got Seattle, Arizona. None of these teams are bad. So, but I think the 49ers do squeeze into the playoffs somehow this year. And remember, it's now seven teams that get in to the playoffs, not six. So that is another uh, thing to consider. But as far as today's games go, game goes at Detroit, 49ers with Garoppolo... I mean, I, I don't know. I just think they're going to just shove the, the ball down Detroit's throats. They're going to run the ball. They have a great running attack. I, I just think the 49ers are probably, among all the games today, I think that's the strongest pick in my opinion. 49ers minus 7.5 at Detroit. Detroit has Jared Goff. I can't stand him. I mean, he has looked terrible since the Super Bowl against uh, New England a couple of years ago. And now he's on the Lions. Yeah, artificial turf and this and that. But, look, the, the Lions are going to be bad again this year. I mean, they don't have a lot of talent on this team. And right now the 49ers, I mean, again, they're coming in, I think, on an upswing for this season. Uh, I think they're going to run for about 175 yards. And I think they're going to win going away. I'm going to go 31-13 San Francisco for game one. Game number two, I'm going to take the Packers. Plus, uh, they're giving three and a half against the Saints. This game is in Jacksonville because of the ramifications from Hurricane Henri. So, Green Bay, obviously a lot of turmoil in the offseason. When you talk about everything that happened with Aaron Rodgers, is he going to stay, is he going to get traded, and this and that, well, he's back. And the way it looks right now, Green Bay, the clear favorite in the, the NFC North, I think uh, you got to imagine they're going to have one more go at it for uh, a chance to get to the Super Bowl this year. And the way I see this game, Green Bay, 
they're gonna they're gonna throw the ball like they they always do. You know, they're gonna they're gonna sock it. They're gonna do whatever they have to do. But I, I think Devonte Adams, obviously elite. He's gonna have his himself a hundred plus yard day. Packers defense, yeah, is a little bit iffy, but at the same time too, they you know they give up a lot of yards passing wise. You saw how things went in the NFC Championship game last year against Tampa Bay, which Green Bay should have won that game, but they did not. The the Saints, look, Drew Brees now on uh, Sunday Night Football for NBC now, no longer quarterback in the Saints. Saints going with Jameis Winston, who the last time we saw him as a starting quarterback was throwing 30-plus touchdowns and 30-plus interceptions for the Buccaneers. So, I mean, look, they, they're they going to be a, a middling team, middle-of-the-road type of team. I think you're looking at probably, you know, 8-9, 9-8 and nine, nine and eight in that ballpark for the Saints. They're not going to just tank. I really don't see that happening. Um, you know, Winston will give them a chance to win against teams that they should beat. Tampa Bay notwithstanding, of course. But, I mean, Atlanta is going to be an up-and-down team in their division. Carolina is not going to be that good. So, I fully expect that uh, the Saints will be a competitive team. But in today's game against the Buccaneers, they're going to lose. Um, I'm going Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay 27... Saints, 19. Go with a little odd score there. 27-19 Packers. That's my second pick. Third pick. We're going to go to Indianapolis. Seattle and the Colts. The Seattle Seahawks giving three to the, the Colts who have themselves issues too. You have a not 100% Carson Wentz who is going to basically uh, give it a go today, which is a surprise because all indications were he was not going to be QBing week one or for several weeks for the Colts, but it appears he's going to give it a go today. And this is a tough game. I, I, you know, I do like Seattle on the road today. It's going to probably be a tighter game considering now that Wentz is going to play. Um, defense of the Colts and the Seahawks. I mean, this is going to kind of be one of those rough-and-tumble games, I feel like. You know, like a 19-16 game, something, you know, in that vicinity. Although, I'm going to give the Seahawks the slight edge because I like Russell Wilson better than Carson Wentz. Um, you know, it's going to be... The one thing I didn't take into account in all these games is you're going to have fans in the stands. And not just any fans. You're going to have full houses of fans, which to me, is going to bring the statistics of the quarterbacks down a little bit this year. You know, quarterbacks didn't have to deal with crowd noise next uh, last year. This year, you're going to have to deal with crowd noise. And for, a po- for road quarterbacks, that's going to have an impact because you're going to have to go to a silent count, etc. against, uh, you know, teams especially that, you know, they have loud crowds. I mean, most of these crowds are going to be loud, and especially loud at the beginning of the season because you're talking about... Um, you know, excited fans. They haven't been to the stadiums in two years. So it's going to be fun to see that. But getting back to the game, I think the Seahawks, uh, you know, Metcalf and Lockett and Carson, you know, to go along with Wilson at quarterback, I do think they're going to squeak out a win. It's going to be like a four or five point game, though. Seattle's given three. I think they win by four or five. So I'm going to go, I'll go 21 16. Uh, Seahawks over the Colts in game number three. Game number four, I'm going to go with the Broncos, plus uh, given three at the New York Giants. Look, the Giants, this is the year Daniel Jones is that has to put up a shut-up. Gettleman as GM, this has put up a shut-up time for him as well. The Giants don't do anything this year. Gettleman's going to go, and quite frankly, Daniel Jones is going to probably go. Uh, you know, somewhere else too at this point because they got to do something this year. Barkley is back. I know he's not 100% per se, truly 100%. I think it'll be a little bit of a decoy today for the uh, the Giants. 
they're going to primarily have to throw the football. Um, you know, Denver's got a strong defense. They got themselves a guy in Teddy Bridgewater who's going to kind of be a manager of the game, so to speak. He will. Uh, he's not going to win you the game. He's not going to lose you the game. But he's not. He's not going to necessarily, you know, tilt tilt it either way in a grand fashion. So, I think Denver wins this game today. I just not high on the Giants this year. I seen some places they're talking about nine wins maybe for the Giants. I don't see it happening. Now I know that the schedule in the division's a little soft. I mean, Washington's not great. Philly's not great. Dallas, we're gonna have to see what they are. But look. I mean, the Giants are playing in the AFC West this year. Do you really think they're going to beat Kansas City? No. Do you really think they're going to beat the Chargers? And if I'm not mistaken, they're at the Chargers, which that's a problem. Um, you know, I mean, Herbert's going to run rampant on them, I think. 350 yards plus uh, when they wind up playing later in the year. Uh, you know, Denver, look, they're going, to pay, they're going to rush the quarterback. They're going to rush Jones. The Giants don't have an offensive line to compete. They don't have a good enough offensive line, the Giants. Add to that, they don't have a front four that can rush the quarterback. So, look, you're going to win games and lose games in the trenches, and the Giants are just not good enough, in my opinion, to to uh, win this game today. And I don't think the Giants, I think their over-under is seven this year for... Um, Wins and law, you know, wins in uh, in Vegas. I don't see that happening. I think they go five and twelve, six and eleven, something in that ballpark. I don't see eight, nine wins from this team. You know, I, I just it's it's not going to happen. So for today's game, I think Denver wins. I think Denver is going to shut down the giant offense. Uh, I'm going to go Broncos twenty-four, Giants thirteen for the fourth game. In week one. Fifth game, we're going to go with, uh, well, it's Jets and Carolina. Carolina's given four to the Jets. And, I mean, look, I think it's pretty crystal clear the Jets are not going to be good this year. Now, neither is Carolina, per se, but here's the thing. Carolina's got McCaffrey. The Jets don't have anybody remotely close to anybody at that level. And DJ Moore is pretty darn good himself as well. Now, don't you think Sam Darnold this year is going to be a guy that uh, kind of steps it up a little bit for, for Carolina? Or is he going to be the middling quarterback that he was for the Jets the last couple of seasons? He's got to earn his keep now in Carolina. He's got a fresh start. He's got, obviously, a superstar in McCaffrey. He's got a, a good one in DJ Moore as well. Um, I got to see what, uh, you know, we're going to have to see what happens. But I think Darnold will be better this year. He's got more talent around him. How can he not be better? Um, you know, you can say the same thing about Jan Daniel Jones, but, you know, now he has a healthy Barkley, but I'm just not a fan at this point. You know, this Danny Dimes nonsense, I mean, come on. It's more like nickels or pennies at this point until we see some consistency out of him. And also, he needs to stay on the field and stop turning the ball over, like his predecessor did quite a bit as well, Eli. Uh, you know, more or less with the interceptions, but... In any case, for today's Jets-Carolina game, look, I think um, the Jets' is, the running game is not appealing. I mean, Tevin Coleman is your, is your starter. I mean, good luck with that. He's nothing special at all. And, you know, Ty Johnson might get a little bit of a, a you know, look today for the Jets as well, maybe on third down. But, I mean, Zach Wilson's getting thrown into the fire right away. And... I mean, is that really uh, a good thing at this point? I think Carolina's front four uh, is the key to this game. If they could get some pressure on on Wilson and, uh, you know, make him panic a little bit and have to throw the ball around and this and that to wide receivers that, quite frankly, you know, are not in the upper tier of uh, wide receivers in the NFL. I think you got to uh, consider that, uh, you know, big advantage for Carolina today. So I think uh, Darnold edges out. Wilson, as far as quarterbacks go today in this game, and I think, you know, you, you might see a pick six or two possibly in this game. I'm going to give the edge to Carolina. I think they're going to win, uh, I'll say 26 to 14 over the Jets, and that's game number five.
Game number six. Now, my game number six, I was initially planning on taking Tampa Bay over Dallas. I, you know, I kind of goofed up and I was a little bit late on that pick. So, I'm not going to go there. So, I'm going to take what, in, I mean, my opinion is the game of the day, which is Cleveland and Kansas City. I'll go with this game since, you know, this is, this is a spread that I was a little bit surprised to see. Cleveland's getting five and a half on the road, and I kind of feel like that's a lot. I think this is going to be a three, four-point game either way. I think Kansas City probably will pull out the game and win at the end. You know, Mahomes will get the ball last and go down the field, and they'll get a last-second field goal type of thing. But I think Kansas City, uh, actually, excuse me, I think Cleveland covers this game. Uh, It's a rematch of their... uh, Second round division matchup last year where Cleveland won their first playoff game in a long, long time against Pittsburgh in the wild card round. Uh, I'm not sure about Beckham's status 100%. I got to check that actually, but I don't really think that's going to be a huge, huge difference as far as my pick goes. I'm taking Kansas City. So, uh, excuse me, Cleveland today. Um, You know, Chubb and Kareem Hunt in the backfield. And obviously uh, Landry, and you have Hooper, who's a solid tight end. Um, you know, Beckham plays, yeah, it'd be a big help to Cleveland. But I don't, I don't, um, you know, I don't know. I see a lot of places they go, they go in Kansas City big today. I actually think the opposite. I think this is going to be a close game. I think we're looking at Cleveland covering, and I think they're uh, they're going to hang in there with uh, the AFC champs. I think we're going to see a, you know, be a high-scoring game, 34-31, 31-28 in that ballpark. So I'm going to take the Browns, five and a half. I just like the points today. So I'm going to take them against the Kansas City Chiefs. So my six-pack of games, I have San Francisco, minus seven and a half at Detroit. I have Denver. Plus uh, minus three at the New York Giants. Green Bay, minus three and a half against the Saints in Jacksonville. I have Seattle, minus three at Indianapolis. I have Carolina, minus four against the Jets. And Cleveland, plus five and a half against the Chiefs in Kansas City. My six-pack of games for week one here in the NFL. Finally here. Hallelujah. Now, just going back to the Giants for a second. So, you know, I did take a look at their schedule. And, again, they're over under seven. I don't see it happening. I just don't. I think the Giants finish under seven for this season. And, quite frankly, I think Gettleman gets fired after the season. And I think uh, Daniel Jones, probably they're going to have to move on from him one way or another. You know, Ingram's already out for week one for the Giants. This guy is a pain in the ass. I mean, he's hurt every friggin'... He's hurt all the time. And if he's not hurt all the time, he's dropping passes all the time. So, quite frankly, I have no love loss for him whatsoever. And Barkley, I mean, look, he had that ACL injury last year. That's a big-time injury. And that's not easy to come back from. I think you'll see the better the better part of him in 2022. I think the Giants are going to really have to uh, monitor him closely for this year. You're looking at a guy that, hey, severe knee injury, it's going to take time for him to get his feet under him. And, you know, against a team like Denver today, I'm not really too confident. I mean, if you're looking to pick him in, like in, in, uh, in DraftKings or FanDuel or whatever, I mean, I'm certainly staying away from him. Uh, today, and I would stay away from him for the first few weeks. I forget who they play next week, the Giants offhand, but uh, I'm not, you know, I'm not too confident in him. And we're gonna have to see what the Giants do as a team. I mean, I, you know, again, it comes down to Jones. You know, what is he gonna do? Because he doesn't have a great offensive line in front of him, and that's a problem. You know, we all know. Again, you win and you lose in the trenches, and the Giants are not good on either side of the ball in the trenches so therefore you have that 
combined with a quarterback who it's either make or break this year, and I'm down on them. So, you know, all the pundits out there that want to talk about 8, 9, 10 wins for the Giants, that's a crock as far as I'm concerned. I'm not confident in them whatsoever. So I'm taking under 7 for the Giants this year. Now the Jets, uh, I don't recall offhand what the Jets were. I'm looking it up right now. The Jets, uh, let's see. What were the Jets? What were the Jets? Can't look high on the list for them, obviously. Jets are six. Even that feels high, to be honest. You know? I think the Jets, um... Eh. Four and 13, five and 12. They don't feel like a six-win team to me. I don't know. I just, uh, I'm not, I'm not too, uh, high on them either. I mean, would you? At this point, you know, it's growing pains. You know, Zach Wilson, I mean, hey, you know, rookie quarterback. How many rookie quarterbacks come in and make that much of an impact right away? I mean, there's not too many you can name off the top of your head. But at the same time, you know, they got to build that foundation. You got a new head coach. And and right now, I, I think the the Jets. Uh, yeah, I, I got four thirteen or five and twelve for the Jets. That would be my second under. So, and while we're at it, I might as well pick a couple of more. So, one more under, one more under. I think the Bears are going to be under seven and a half. I mean, what are they doing playing Andy Dalton? You know, they're looking to lose at this point. You know, you're looking to lose. You got the rookie sitting right there, waiting in the wings. Uh, Fields, you got to be waiting in the wings. He should be starting week one. Why is he not starting? I mean, give me a break. So to me, I mean, look, Andy Dalton. You know, maybe he gets hurt. Maybe he's just so bad they got no point, but no choice but to put put Fields in the game right away. I mean, he's going to have some growing pains too. I mean, the Bears' defense isn't bad, as we know, but the offense is what it comes down to. So, I, you know, the Bears, in a division where you have the Packers and you have the Vikings, who I don't think would be too bad, although there's a lot of turmoil over there, too, with vaccination rates and this and that from COVID. You know, the Vikings, I feel like, could be a team that implodes this year. But um, just because of everything going on with, in, inside the organization... But I think, uh, you know, Packers, that's two losses. You figure the Vikings, I'm probably going to say a loss or two there. The Lions stink, but I think the Bears end up under 7.5. So that'll, that'll be my uh, my third under. Chicago, under 7.5. Three down, doing this on a whim. I haven't even really given a good look at this. But, um, you know, schedules and this and that, so... You know, this could be a little bit of a screw-up on my part, but we'll give it a whirl anyway. I think Dallas is going to be above 9.5. I'm going to give them 10 10 or 11 wins, and the reason is because the NFC East stinks. You know, Washington, Philly, and the Giants, you're looking at three teams that are all of them not making the playoffs. So I think Dallas wins the division by default because they have the best quarterback among the group. By far. And I think at this point, you know, the way they played against Tampa Bay the other day, and the fact that they don't play a playoff team till week 11 when they play Kansas City, you know, I think the soft schedule will uh, will help the Cowgirls quite a bit. So I think Dallas goes above 9.5. I think they win the division going away. I'll give them ten or you know ten or eleven wins, probably ten. You know, I mean they're not elite by any stretch, Dallas, but by default they're going to win probably ten games at least. So I will go uh, above nine and a half for them. Uh, let's see another team. I think Buffalo goes above ten and a half. I think they're the clear favorite in the AFC East. Um, you know, Josh Allen is about as elite as it gets right now. Took a huge step forward last year for Buffalo. And 
you know, I know they've had controversy with COVID vaccination rates too, like a lot of, like some other teams have had. But bottom line is you got your horse at quarterback. So I think that's an easy uh, pick, to be honest. I think Buffalo, you know, I think they get tw- go 12-5 and five this year, something in that uh, vicinity. They'll be right there with Kansas City for the top spot in the AFC. Probably be a toss-up between the two of them as far as who gets the uh, that uh, that bye uh, for the number one seed in, in each conference. So in the AFC, I think it definitely comes down to Buffalo or, or Kansas City. And the last pick, uh, let's see, last pick. You know, the funny thing is I probably would have gone under on the Colts. They're 10. That feels like a little bit high, a little high. Uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. You know, I'm going to go with, um, I'll go with Cleveland. They're at 10. 10 and 7? I think 11 and 6 sounds reasonable for the Browns with all the talent that they have. You know, do they really take a step back this year? I don't think so. I think Cleveland uh, goes above 10. So I'm going to go with the Giants under 7, the Jets under 6, the Bears under 7.5, the Cowgirls above 9.5, Buffalo above 10.5, and and Cleveland above 10. My over-under picks for the 2021 NFL, NFL season. And, you know, looking at the rest of the teams... If I had to pick a team that's like kind of down, that might uh, surprise, I feel like the Falcons, for some reason, I don't know, seven wins is their over-under total. Yeah, they could win eight or nine games, maybe, if everything goes right. I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, is getting up there in age, but... I don't know. I have a, I don't know, I have a funny suspicion about the Falcons. They lost so many games last year in ridiculous fashion. The cowgirl game where they were up huge, and then the onside kick at the end. They choked. You know, like they just, and you know, they had so many games last year that they blew. But there were a game or two last year also where they just came out and they obliterated their their opponent. So I kind of feel like they would be a little bit of a surprise. I mean, Carolina stinks. New Orleans, we're going to have to see what they end up being. You know, Tampa's going to be elite. But, you know, the Falcons finished towards the bottom last year, and I could see them being a a little bit of a surprise. So I would, uh, because, I mean, you know, you have teams like Detroit, Houston, Jacksonville, the Jets, Cincinnati, that's your bottom five. Maybe Cincinnati takes a step forward. I mean, I I, I don't know. I think that's, we're going to have to wait another year to see what they end up being. But... Among the bottom, the lower echelon teams on the list, I'm going to go with the Falcons as a slight uh, surprise. So, in any case, that'll do it for now, as far as the NFL goes. Uh, We'll see how I do with my picks, and hopefully I can donate a little extra money to the Tunnel for Towers Foundation, which is a great organization. Um, You know, obviously everything that happened 20 years ago with September 11th, I think it's very important that we support our troops, that we support our uh, first responders, because, uh, you know, with everything going on right now, you know, it feels like that they're under underappreciated, and I think we got to treat them with uh, respect, dignity, and, and honor. So, um, you know, kudos to everyone out there that's trying to make a difference in a positive fashion. So... I'll be back next week for week number two. Let's see how the games go today. Again, not very confident about the Giants. 425 game against the Broncos today. It's going to be, you know, I think a very, uh, you know, a lot of dark clouds above the Meadowlands. And I can't stand that stadium, by the way. MetLife, oh, what a disaster. Bring back the Meadowlands, the old Meadowlands. At this point, just like bring back the old Yankee Stadium, too. But that's for another day. Anyway, talk to you next week. Enjoy the football today, everybody.